I'm going to say it because I know you're thinking it. Who is that sharp-dressed man standing up there this morning? And the fact that you're laughing tells me you were thinking it. So, you are busted. Actually, my day started that way. I uh, was up very early this morning, and uh, I got dressed, and April came out of her room in her little fuzzy pajamas, heading to the shower, and with sleep in her eyes, she looked up and said, Dad, why are you so dressed up? And then she said, is it because you're a pastor? And I said, no, I just want to please Chuck Powers for at least two Sundays of the year. So, so Chuck, wherever you are, I hope today I look like a pastor. Because I know more Sundays you think I don't. What a great service we've had this morning. I've loved seeing the kids, the junior high kids and adults all worshiping together. I just think that is a beautiful picture of the family of God. And, you know, we are very blessed here at Calvary Baptist Church. And we never, we never should take for granted what God is doing here amongst our midst. You know, praise God, he opened a door for us to get a new facility to expand our ministry across the street. But let's not forget that that ministry closed because the next generation wasn't reached. And so let's make sure by God's grace that we keep pouring into and investing into the younger generation so that he will use them to continue to build his church in the future. Well, this morning, um, I'm kind of calling this Celebrate Sunday. Every six or seven weeks in our children's ministry program, we have a Sunday designated called Celebrate Sunday, where we gather all the grades together, and uh, basically we remember and celebrate what we've learned about God over the last few weeks, and then we celebrate his life and what he's doing and how he wants to be involved in our lives. And this morning as I was preparing, I thought, you know, there's not many opportunities within a calendar year where you can gather together and really celebrate the whole gospel, the whole story of who Jesus is. This Christmas season gives us the opportunity to celebrate his birth. And then later in this service, we are going to celebrate his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. So it's a great Sunday to remember and celebrate. And I hope that you have come prepared to do that this morning. Today, I want to take a look at a couple of images. <clears throat> and the first image I want you to take a look at is of this man up on the screen. Now, I would presume that for most of us, we're probably not very familiar with who this man really is. And without identifying him and without me giving you some specific details about his life and surrounding his life and accomplishments, you really can't have any sense of appreciation or respect for who he is. So let me give you a few of those details and see if your appreciation and respect for him grows as I tell you a bit about this image of this man. This past July, family and friends of 97-year-old Louis Zamperini gathered together in Los Angeles for his funeral where they remembered his life and celebrated his accomplishments. Some of those accomplishments included age 19, he ran in the 1936 Berlin Olympics running the 5,000-meter race, having only trained at that distance for a few weeks. After the 1946 Olympic Games were canceled because World War II had broke out, he enlisted in the U.S. Army Corps, becoming a bombardier on the B-24 airplane nicknamed the Flying Brick. Now, you guys know that I do not like flying. And this morning, there was a pilot here named Benji, and I said, Benji, if, you, if I was walking to your plane and I saw the name of your plane as the Flying Brick, I am not getting on that plane. 
Growing up in Kenya, I thought Kenya Scareways was, was the worst name I've heard, but Fine Brick doesn't put much confidence in me. But here, Louis Zamperini enrolled. He enlisted because his passion for running was taken away because the Olympic Games were canceled. And during the war on a routine rescue mission to search for a fellow downed pilot, he and his crew crashed into the Pacific Ocean, killing eight of the 11 on board. Louis and two colleagues survived the horrific crash, and for seven weeks, let that sink in, for seven weeks, they drifted on a raft on the Pacific Ocean, enduring the heat from the scorching sun with little food and little water, only drinking the rainwater that they were able to collect and eating raw the small fish that they were able to catch. In fact, fighting for survival, his book even goes on to say that they caught two albatross and ate them raw. All this emits daily fending off shark attacks, being capsized by storms, and being bombed by Japanese fighter planes that would eventually puncture their raft. After drifting for, 20, for 2,000 miles, miraculously surviving the elements and the enemy, only he and one other colleague washed up on shore to their relief, only to be captured by the Japanese as prisoners of war, where they would go on to daily face physical, emotional, and psychological abuse, fearing being killed each day. In fact, the U.S. military had declared that Louis Zamperini was dead for their records. And it wasn't until the war ended that he was discovered alive and the heroic details of his journey of survival became known to the public. So amazing is his story that Universal Pictures is releasing a movie on Christmas Day to highlight his life and accomplishments entitled Unbroken. I know in talking with some of you, you've read the book, and I know my wife read the book, and I know that it moved her, and she has a lot of appreciation and respect for Louis Zamperini because of the specific details surrounding his life and what he accomplished. The story is one filled with hope, faithfulness, and forgiveness. Louis Zamperini. Now I want you to take a look at another image. One that we are all very familiar with. But as I was preparing this sermon, this fear settled in my soul that it might just be so familiar that I wonder if we have become desensitized to its significance and underappreciate all the specific details surrounding who the babe born in the manger in Bethlehem that first Christmas really was and what he accomplished, not only in his life, but as we will celebrate later, also in his death, burial, and resurrection. For a few minutes this morning, as we look at some of these specific details, I pray that God, through his word, will rekindle within us a deep sense of appreciation, awe, and respect for the image of the babe in a manger. I don't know if many of you have ever had to heat your home with a wood stove or have been in a cottage with an airtight stove. Our farm doesn't have electricity, so yes, we heat it with an airtight stove. And before you go to bed, you stock that fire up full of nice hardwood maple, and there's lots of flames going, and you can look through the screen, and it just looks beautiful, especially this time of year with the snow outside, and you look through the screen on that airtight stove, and there's just fire going. But then over the long course of a cold winter night, 
God bless my dear mom who's usually up first. When you go to that airtight stove in the morning and you look through that screen, the flame is gone. There's not too much movement happening. There's just a bed of coals that aren't even orange. The top is all gray and black. But it only takes a few minutes to open that door, grab the utensil, and to start moving those coals around. And as you start moving those coals around, you start to see some sparks come up. And you move them around, and all of a sudden, the darkness is gone, and you have this bed of orange hot coals that you can then place the logs on so that the heat can continue to be generated. Sometimes I wonder as Christians if that's not what happens to us as we come to these familiar holidays that are Christian holidays. We have just become so familiar with them that over time, the flame and the fire that once excited us about what really is all behind this image have kind of just gone. Oh, we know the facts are still there. The fire is not dead, but it's not burning with the full potential that it could. And so this morning, my prayer is that as we look into these details surrounding this image and the significance of those details, I pray that God will take his spiritual poker and he'll start to stir the coals of your heart and reignite a fresh, deep sense of appreciation for who the babe in the manger really was and what he actually came to accomplish. So to look at some of those details, I'd ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet... To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and mercy. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for helping us today to understand just exactly who the babe in the manger really was. And thank you for what he accomplished, not just in coming, but in living and then dying and rising again to life. This is a story filled with hope, faithfulness, and forgiveness. And I pray, God, that you would forgive us, those of us who are your children. Would you forgive us for not celebrating the babe in the manger well. Forgive us for just becoming comfortable with the traditions of Christmas and yet not truly understanding the significance of what we have just read. So God, I invite you to please work in our hearts this morning. Stir us. 
Lord, may those coals that have maybe just gotten cold be refreshed by your Holy Spirit this morning that we might shine bright for you and celebrate well Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This, I think, is one of the most significant passages of Scripture in the New Testament. And John penned it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that he wanted us to get our attention. It was meant to grab our attention, to draw us into the story of all stories. That is the gospel, the work and the person of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do this morning is simply just start to build some details around that image of the babe in the manger and trust God to birth within us a fresh and new appreciation and, and of the significance behind who he really is. John starts his text, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, but more significantly, the word was God. Note how the opening of John's gospel parallels Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. And this is done to make it very clear that the word who we know to be the pre-incarnate Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has always existed eternally as one with the Father. Yes, at Christmas we celebrate the beginning of his earthly ministry, but please, when you look at the manger, understand the person of the babe in the manger didn't have a beginning. He existed before anything was. Towards the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, we see the same name, the Word of God, to refer to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So then when I read in John's text, in verse 14, the good news of Christmas, this is the good news of Christmas, that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We must never, ever forget, and I must never underappreciate the fact that in Bethlehem that first Christmas, God himself came to us. The word was with God, and the word was God. Emmanuel, he came to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who was the word that was not only with God at the beginning, but in fact was God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For in Christ, in the babe in the manger, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Think about that. Think about that. In Christ, the babe in the manger, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That is why in Matthew chapter 1 verse 22 it says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. The babe in the manger is God with us. John MacArthur, a well-known commentary, he says these points, and they're very good, and I wanted to share them with you. Jesus is the Im image of the invisible God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus is the expressed image of God's nature. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, The Son, the babe in the manger, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And finally, Jesus, the babe in the manger, is the full revelation from God. The word that was in the beginning is God. 
Jesus, the babe born in the manger, is God incarnate. God came to dwell among us. The awesome truth behind the image of the manger is that God Almighty, the God of the universe, creator and Lord over everything, humbled himself by coming to us in our likeness, making it possible for us to know him. Think about that for a second. Did you know that in 2014, December 14th, sitting right here in Oshawa, we can know the God from the very beginning, creator, Lord of everything, king of kings, we can know him personally. Just think about that. Last Sunday afternoon as I was having lunch with my dad and sharing with him what I felt the Lord is burdening me to share with you today, God bless my dad. I now understand why he can't preach anymore. It's not that he can't preach. It's just the truth, the awesome truth of God's word grips him so much that he just becomes an emotional wreck. And as we sat there last Sunday and just conversed with one another, we said, think about it. God, creator of the universe, I can know him personally. You can know him personally. It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. John's opening statements powerfully affirm Jesus' deity while at the same time celebrating his humanity. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says of the babe in the manger, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. See how different he is than us? He didn't use equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, folks, at Christmas, God became man, yet Jesus, the babe in the manger, never ceased being God. God became man, yet Jesus... The babe in the manger never ceased to be God. The conclusion my dad and I came to last Sunday is we can't understand it. It is beyond. His ways are beyond our ways. It is absolutely incredible. Secondly, he goes on to say, let's learn some more details. Therefore, because he is God, he is also creator. Look at what verse 3 and 4 say. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He is creator. He is the one who initiates and gives life, both physical life and spiritual life. If we take a look at his ministry and his work before he became man, in Genesis it says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Did you wake up this morning and thank God for breath? Or do you just take it for granted? He is the one who initiates life. He is the one who gives us life. And by his word, he sustains everything. Wake up in the morning and thank God for breath. Secondly, he gives us spiritual life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have. Olivia, I see you mouthing it. Eternal life, Right? He's the one who gives us spiritual life, eternal life. In fact, if you go to John chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. 
I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. Eternal life is Christ's gift to the world. In fact, he is that life, isn't he? John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in Genesis, we read about his work prior to him coming to us and how on the first day of creation, he spoke light into existence, bringing the possibility for life to an earth that according to Genesis was formless, empty, and dark. In Bethlehem, we see him again making his dwelling amongst us so that through him he would bring light and life into the world and into our lives that are both darkened because of sin. You see, through Adam and Eve, all mankind represented has rebelled against creator God and sin entered the world and with it came spiritual darkness, separation from the light and life of God. All of us are born in this condition with a sinful nature, separated from God. Our natural tendency, our normal way of living according to our own DNA is to just live life how we want to live life, according to our ways and our desires, not according to God's ways or his desires. We've just been through the study in Judges. How many times did we see in that book, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes? That's because of sin, and Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, and Romans 3:23 confirm that all of us are guilty. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when people choose to live according to their own natural way, to live life according to how they want to do and make decisions according to what they feel is right, ignoring God... Ignoring the babe in the manger that was sent, Proverbs 4 verse 19 describes that way of living as walking in deep darkness. Not just darkness, deep darkness. And I have experienced deep darkness growing up in Africa. And when they turn the generator off in a farm in the middle of Africa, it is deep darkness. I remember as a kid lying in the room going, I just want to see my hand. If I can just see my hand, I'll be able to go to sleep. But it was so dark, I couldn't see my hand. And all of a sudden, what started to come up in a young boy's life? Fear. We were living in a war. Is tonight the terrorist going to come to our home? I didn't have peace. I don't have a lot of hope that we might make it through tomorrow. I had no confidence about the future. Simply because I was sleeping in deep darkness. And the Bible describes people who choose to ignore God and say, yeah, whatever, the babe in the manger. The Bible says that people who choose to ignore God and live according to their own ways are walking in deep darkness. Are you here this morning afraid? Are you here this morning and your life is a mess? Are you here this morning without peace and hope? With no confidence to know what your future holds, not just in a year's time, but you don't even know what's going to happen in a week's time and you feel very hopeless, I have good news for you. Christ came. Emmanuel. God came to dwell among us. The cost of living in deep darkness is very high. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. 
physical and eternal separation from God forever. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, the babe in the manger. It is a gift of God. It's not earned. It's not merited like wages are. It is a gift of God because God is loving, he is gracious, and he is full of mercy. Jesus came, the babe in the manger, to be our true light so that death and darkness could be defeated. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again in chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus identifies himself as the light that came into the world. Again, affirming that he preexisted before anything was. He came into the world to provide a way for anyone who believes in him to no longer, listen to this, to no longer have to stay in darkness. That communicates to me that there's an option. That communicates to me that an individual does not have to stay in darkness. Now I know some of your stories because I can see your face and I know some of the stories behind what you're going through. And I know that some of you are walking in darkness. And you're afraid. And you have no peace. And you have no hope. Praise God for Christmas. You do not have to stay in darkness. There is an option that has become available to us because of the true light. This is why we read in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. The angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. John chapter 3 verse 17, does that not confirm that same truth? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You do not have to stay living in darkness because Jesus, God, Emmanuel, God with us, came and was born in Bethlehem to live so that he might die, so that you might live. Please understand this Christmas when you look at the manger, that in Bethlehem, God, creator, Lord of everything, left his glory, taking on the form of a servant, becoming a human in your likeness and mine so that he could identify himself with the problems you and I will face in our lives and to ultimately and willingly offer up his own life on the cross to pay the price that each of us rightfully owe for our sins. Why did he do this? Because he loves us. He loves us, and he did not want to have us face God's wrath. When was the last time you sat around with your family at Christmas, reading a Christmas story, gazing at a beautiful image of the manger on a Christmas card or in a book? When was the last time at Christmas we thanked God that we will not face his wrath? That is good news. That is amazing news. He did this. He came to us so that we would not have to pay the price for our sins. Instead, he came to do that on our behalf. The Word, Jesus Christ, 
God incarnate, Emmanuel, accomplished for us something that we would never have been able to do on our own, and that is receive forgiveness. Forgiveness for our sins and be set free from living in darkness. And praise God because he rose again. He defeated sin and he defeated death. And this new life that he offers to us that is revealed in the manger scene is available to all mankind. Verse 12 and 13 of our text says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children of light. And as Pastor Duane said in his prayer this morning, praise God. Praise God that this morning he took a man from darkness who would have to have paid for his own sins. And because he heard the message of Jesus Christ by God's grace, believed it. And this morning had a spiritual birthday right here in the front and became a son of God. You know how exciting that is to tell a wife who has been praying for her husband and then to be able to say to his son this morning, your dad, your dad this morning became a child of God. And he is no longer separated from God. No longer separated from God and will not face the wrath of God. Why? Because he's a good man? No. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Children of God. Children of light. Born of God. Christmas, the image of the manger, represents a celebration of new life and new possibilities offered to us by God through the light and life of Jesus, the babe in the manger. When Louis Zamperini incredible adventure began, he was on a rescue mission to save one life. In the image of the manger, we see revealed to us God's rescue mission to save the world. In Jesus, God brought light and life to a world that he had created perfect, that was now in darkness because of our sin, and praise God, according to John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Praise God for that man this morning for the power of God's light. It, darkness has gripped his life for 40 plus years. Darkness did not overcome him this morning. The true light of light came to him this morning. So in light of all these incredible details regarding the babe in the manger... He is the Word. He is God. He preexisted. He is the Son of God. He is Savior, Emmanuel, incarnate, creator, divine, the way, the truth, the life, true light, Jesus. He is our sacrifice. In light of all these incredible details surrounding his life and what he accomplished, what is going to be your response to him? this Christmas? What is going to be your response to him this Christmas? May I talk to those, first of all, who are living a life where they know they are disobeying God's ways. Can I encourage you this morning, if you are living in deep darkness, you're feeling afraid, you're not experiencing any peace, things seem pretty hopeless, then I have good news for you. You do not have to stay living in that condition. 
God loves you. And he came to this world that very first Christmas to make a way for you to experience his light and his life opposite to the deep darkness described in Proverbs 4, verse 19. Do you know the verse right above that? Proverbs 4, verse 18 talks about the path, the way of the righteous in contrast to living in deep darkness. Who are the righteous? The righteous are simply all of us who are born sinners, separated from God, and by God's grace allowed us to hear the message that through Jesus we can have our sins removed and we can come into a relationship with God and we simply receive his gift and believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and what he did for us, we are the righteous. We are the righteous. We now are able to stand in a right relationship with God where before our sins separated us. Do you know what it says? In contrast to walking in deep darkness, this is what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 says. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. What a contrast to living in deep darkness. God invites you today to receive a new life by believing in the name of his son, Jesus. You see, God came to us so that he could adopt us as his children, giving us eternal life, and in eternal life have hope, peace, confidence about the future, live with purpose. May I encourage you this morning, if you are living in darkness, please consider all that God is revealing to you today through his word, and he longs for you to experience his light and life, and we would love to see you move from darkness to life by the grace of God. If, however, you are here this morning, you are a child of God, then this Christmas, please be grateful that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Please enter this season with a heart of extreme gratitude. Please, husbands, Fathers, please lead your families well in celebrating this Christmas, the good news that God came to be with us. Calvin Kaffa, lead my wife, lead my kids well in celebrating that God came to be with us. We need to celebrate Christmas with grateful hearts. Grateful hearts. We need to lead our families well. When you see the image of the manger this Christmas, please pause. Pause and in your heart and in your mind, Reflect on all the incredible details surrounding what that image actually means and who that babe really was and what he accomplished. And look at it this Christmas with a fresh sense of thanksgiving and gratefulness. Thank God for being willing to come and dwell among us in order to take upon himself. This is is the craziest thing that I just don't know if I'll ever understand. He came to take all of our sins upon himself. Past, present, and future. Pause. Reflect. Thank God that he was willing to do that. That he was willing to go to the cross and die to pay the price for our sins that we should have paid. And here's the amazing thing. Because he made a way, we today can experience the God creator, Lord of lords, personally living in us through his spirit. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. But here's the deal. 
With privilege comes responsibility. In verse 6 and 8, John refers to John the Baptist as a witness who came to testify concerning the light so that through him others might believe. If you have received God's grace in your life, and if you've been pardoned of your sins, and as a result you no longer walk in darkness, then this Christmas, please be a witness and testify to God's gift to you and to the world. Why? So that others will also believe and be saved from darkness and from punishment for their sins. Be a witness. We need to open our mouths. Our kids need to see us testifying to who God is to our neighbors, to our family members who aren't believers. This Christmas, be a witness. Testify to the gift that God has given you so that others might believe and be saved. Louis Zamperini was a good example of this. You see, he was able to return to the United States after the war. He was saved physically from some incredible dramatic circumstances. But when he returned to the States, even though he was physically saved, he was still spiritually lost, dead, walking in darkness. How do I know that? Well, it says of him, after the war, that he returned and he began to get into heavy drinking in order to try, and I, I guess, you know, as a human being, I can't blame the guy in one sense because I would not have wanted to go through what he, what he had gone through, but here's the reality. He is trying to find a way to have peace and to deal with the circumstances he had been. Unfortunately, he was going to the wrong God. He began drinking heavily, trying to forget his POW abuse. Constant nightmares also haunted him, including nightly dreams of strangling his captors. As his life and marriage began to fall apart, God came to his family. Just like Mary and Joseph, God invaded their lives. God invaded the life of Louis Zamperini's family. And his wife, Cynthia, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, was born a child of God and became a Christian after attending a Billy Graham evangelistic crusade in Los Angeles. In 1949, Zamperini, still walking in darkness, tormented by darkness, reluctantly agreed to attend a crusade in hopes of saving his marriage, following continual prodding by his wife. Can I just say, and this isn't in my notes, can I just say, if you have an unbelieving spouse, don't give up. Don't give up because God is able and the light shines and the darkness has not overcome the light. When Lisa came to church this morning, she told me that before she came to church this morning, God said to her in her heart, are you prepared for what's going to happen today? I didn't know this until after I talked in the service. There was a wife who trusted God that he has another option for her husband that doesn't have to walk in darkness. And today God invaded that family. Do not give up if your spouse is not a believer yet because God is able. After attending the crusade and hearing the gospel message shared by Billy Graham, Louis Zamperini was saved spiritually. He became a child of God in Los Angeles at a crusade. He said as soon as he made his decision to receive and believe in Jesus Christ, he forgave his captors and never had another nightmare again. 
Forgiveness became one of his major themes while he was still alive. He would do a lot of speaking, and he spoke on forgiveness. In fact, he visited many of the guards from his POW days to let them know that he has forgiven them. In 1950, Zamperini went to Japan and gave his testimony. He simply told of what he had heard and what had happened in his life. That's a testimony. He was a witness to God and God's work in his life. And he gave his testimony and he preached the gospel, which we've done today, that God loves us and he sent his son to come and live among us so that he would be able to die for us. But not just die for us and take care of our sin, but God raised him from the dead, defeating death. He shared with them the gospel through an interpreter. The sergeant in charge of the prison encouraged any of the prisoners who recognized him to come forward and meet him again. Zamperini threw his arms around each of them. Once again, he explained, he testified, he witnessed to the Christian gospel of forgiveness found in the babe in the manger. The prisoners were somewhat surprised by Zamperini's genuine affection for those who had once ill-treated him. And because he was willing to give witness to the grace that he had received, people in the prison that night also were saved. Folks, we have to if you appreciate all that is involved in that manger and all who Jesus was and all that he accomplished, then I do not understand how we can keep our mouths quiet and not share with others so that they too might believe and be saved. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You know, don't let witnessing and evangelism scare you. Just put God's word on the table, and the Holy Spirit will do the work. I simply said to that gentleman this morning who I had been praying for, I said, from hearing the word of God about Jesus, the babe in the manger, has God convinced you and given you the faith to believe it's true and that right now you're separated from him, but if you would receive and believe in him, you would not be separated and no longer live in darkness. That's just, that's just giving God's word. And he said, yes, with tears in his eyes. Let God do the work. Just be obedient and open our mouths if you really appreciate the gift that he gave us in the babe in a manger. As Pastor Steve and the team come forward to lead us in a closing song. Last night I was watching TV and I was watching a promo clip of the movie Unbroken that was coming out and something caught my attention at the end of the promo clip. It all rolled through and then it was giving credit to one of the major sponsors who must be financing the production of this film. And it said, Jeep, in big letters. So Jordan, you would have liked that. It said, Jeep, in big letters, proudly salutes Louis Zamperini. And I thought, well, that's good. And then I thought about us this morning. And I thought about looking at all the details surrounding who the babe in the manger is. I thought that it would only be appropriate that as we transition to celebrating his life, his death, his burial, and what he accomplished for us, it would only be appropriate that we would stand and with a deep sense of appreciation give our God a spiritual salute through song declaring that we believe 
the babe in the manger, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is who he said he is and accomplished what he came to do. And we will give our lives to declaring the message and the truth regarding the babe in the manger and what he accomplished. Will you join me? In 1973, Billy Graham preached a Christmas message at the White House entitled, The Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. He said, at the cradle, he was in the stall of an animal. At the cross, he wore a crown of thorns. But when he comes again, it will be as a commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. I pray that this Christmas, when you look at the image of the manger, you will look at it very differently. And you will pause, and you will reflect. And with a deep sense of gratitude, you will sing, thank you, God, for coming to dwell among us. Brothers and sisters, let us celebrate very well this Christmas season and be a witness and testify to God's grace towards us. God bless you, and we'll see you back here tonight at 6 o'clock.